Hey everyone, hope you're having a great week. Uh, we are back going through Acts chapter 14. Last week we left off where Paul and Barnabas just get kicked out of Antioch and they shook the dust off and they went to Iconium. And in chapter 14, it starts off by saying, In Iconium they entered the Jewish synagogue as usual and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. And I think it's interesting that they, they went straight to the synagogue. Even though they had just been kicked out of the city and they had been insulted by the Jews in Antioch, they don't hold a grudge and they still go to the synagogue. And it says, as usual. Even though they had a bad experience, they didn't take it personally. They stuck to their game plan and it, and it wasn't about them, it was about the mission. And then in verse 2 it says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they're continuing the mission, and again we see opposition happen. And it, it's interesting that the Jews in this chapter partnered with the Gentiles, that they are willing to work together. They, they stirred up the Gentiles, and they both were against Paul and Barnabas. They felt so strongly about Paul and Barnabas that they, they went against the traditions and the norms culturally that we've seen in the chapters leading up to this so far in Acts. And it says in verse 3 that Paul and Barnabas stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord. And it says the, the city was divided. Some sided with the Jews and others sided with the apostles. That even though the Jews had stirred up these Gentiles and it says their minds that were poisoned against Paul and Barnabas, they didn't shy away. They continued to speak boldly for the Lord. And then in verse 5 and 6, it got so dangerous for Paul and Barnabas that they left. And it says in verse 6, they found out about the plan that the Gentiles and the Jews had to mistreat and stone them. So they fled to Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derbe. And in verse 7, it says, there they continued to preach the gospel. And so in this first part of chapter 14, we see this pattern continue. That, that the believers preach, that some people believe, but then there's opposition. And some kind of persecution causes them to leave and spread the gospel even more. And the reality is, persecution followed these guys. Persecution is going to follow us. Like Jesus said, don't be surprised. They're going to persecute you like they persecuted me. And yet somehow we think, oh, we're running into opposition. This must not be the right plan. I must be doing something wrong. That, that's not the case at all. In fact, they didn't think that was the case. They, they continued wherever they went to continue the same pattern. I like in verse 9, uh, 8 and 9, when they're in Lystra, and he listens to Paul, this guy that has uh, never walked in his entire life. He listened to Paul as he was speaking and says, Paul looked directly at him. Uh, I like that he says he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. A couple things there. One, that's interesting that you can look at someone and see if they have faith. There's something going on there that I don't understand, but I would love to have that ability. Um, but what I like is, if you'll recall, just a chapter before, uh, when the sorcerer was trying to do something, it said Paul looked directly at him. I like this looking directly at someone, because I think a lot of times um, when there is an opposition to what we're doing uh, or some difficulty that we're trying to overcome, we don't look at the person, we look at the problem. And that, that can be rough, like, how do you end world hunger? Well, that's a huge problem. But if I look at my friend so-and-so who's hungry, it makes it a little easier because I can see he's hungry. 
I just need to feed him. I just need to feed her. I just need to be on that side of the equation. But when I think about solving world hunger, that's huge. So I love this idea when he says, Paul, was, as he was speaking, looked directly at him. And so I had enough faith to be healed. So he calls out, stand up on your feet. At that, uh, the man jumped up and began to walk. Well, it's a good thing we don't have camcorders because I think somebody would think that's a fake video. Uh, it's hard to believe that someone has not walked since birth can jump up and start walking. And as we wrestle with that, maybe it kind of says, how much faith do we have? Do we faith, have faith that God could do those things? You can imagine their surprise. I mean, they're like, oh, this, these gods must be living among us. They call them Zeus. They call them Hermes. And they throw all these Greek gods. It's interesting that we do have references come in and out of Scripture that let us know that, yeah, this is a competition. This is, this is a competing worldviews. But here's what they say. They say, what are you talking about? It says in verse 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and said, friends, what are you doing? We're human just like you. We're just bringing you good news, telling you to turn uh, from these worthless things to the living God. They don't accept this praise. They don't accept this as being anything other than the fiction that it is. And when the people call them gods, Paul and Barnabas take this seriously. They don't want them at all to think that this is true. They didn't want the glory. They didn't want the spotlight. They wanted to make sure that these people knew that this isn't about us. This is about the living God who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. That this world has been designed, and there is a designer that is above all of these different things. And I wonder as this is happening, if they're reminded of what happened to Herod in chapter 12. Like Herod had a similar thing happen where the people thought that he was a god. They said, this is the voice of a god and not a man when they were talking about Herod. And it's such a contrast. Herod took that glory for himself. And Paul and Barnabas were made sure that, no, no, this is, this is not us. We don't want this spotlight. We want to make sure that we're just pointing you to the true living God. And it says in verse 18 that even though that they had said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to him, that, that they were so into it that they were going to sacrifice bulls to Paul and Barnabas. But Paul and Barnabas were having none of it. And then in verse 19, the opposition comes. It says, in, Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won over their crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the cities, thinking that he was dead. The people that were opposing Paul and Barnabas in these other towns felt so strongly that they followed them to the next town and finally got what they wanted. They stoned him and left him for dead, which seems like could easily have been the end of this story. But immediately in the next verse, it says, After the disciples gathered around him, he got up, Paul got up, and went into the town. And the next day, he left for Derby. It is a crazy story that they returned to a place where they got stoned, right? And what they what do they say in verse 22? He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Like, he's probably putting it, pointing the scabs on his head, saying, this hill right here, this was a big rock, and it hit me. Yep, this kind of stuff happens. Like, maybe you've bragged about scars you've had on your body, or, you know, you just kind of go through the motions of trying to tell about how these things happen to you, and you can point to certain scars from certain accidents, but these weren't even accidents. These were purposely people trying to kill them, and they're like, yep, this is part of the hardships that we must endure. 
it's amazing to think that he was able to use that what was forced upon him, physical harm, stonings, damage, broken skin, maybe broken bones, who knows? But he was able to say, yeah, this is what they intended. Didn't happen. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So as a result of that, they appoint elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, commit them to the Lord who put they put their trust in. What a way to think of leadership. Hey, you want to be a leader in this new church? Just so you know, you're going to get stoned like this. You're going to get beat up just like we did. Okay, let's pray and pray that God will lead you in all things. That doesn't seem very motivational. And yet we know, we know that this is what how the church began. It's exciting to see what God's using, how he can use the worst circumstances. And being stoned has got to be one of the top 10 worst circumstances. Yeah, I like how the message says, verse 22, it says, urging them to stick with what they had begun to believe and not quit, making it clear to them that it wouldn't be easy. Anyone signing up for the kingdom of God has to go through plenty of hard times. Like Gordon mentioned earlier in John 16, where Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I've conquered the world. Right? Peter and Barnabas and Paul and Jesus, they're looking at life through this lens that says resistance and opposition. They're not saying it might come. They're saying it's coming if you're a believer. And one thing that I was thinking about this week is that just because we experience resistance, just because we experience opposition, doesn't mean that we should change course. Sometimes it means keep doing what you're doing. Keep going. Keep on mission. Don't stop. When Paul and Barnabas at the beginning of this chapter experience opposition, they preach boldly. They don't shy away. They keep going. Sometimes when I experience opposition, I abandon the plan too early because I don't expect opposition to come. It's like that Mike Tyson quote where it says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. But Mike Tyson was probably expecting to get punched in the mouth. Do we have that same mindset? As we follow God, as we look to live out our lives on mission for him, are we looking at it through the lens of, yeah, opposition, hard times, uncomfortable situations are probably coming? Or do they catch us by surprise and do we jump ship too early? The other thing that we see in this chapter is that as we are on mission, there will be opportunities for us to step into the spotlight and take glory for ourselves. Are we prepared for that? And when that happens, are we going to be like Herod and go, yeah, we actually are pretty amazing? Or are we going to be like Paul and Barnabas and say, no, 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 this isn't about us at all. We don't want that spotlight. This is about the living God who created everything. He's the one that does this. And the last thing we see is Paul and Barnabas encouraging the other believers, the other churches, the other Christians to keep going, to endure. Because they know when times get hard, we need each other. Maybe we need someone to pick us up when we've fallen down, or we just need a little encouragement when things get stirred up against us. So as you read these verses this week, think about those three areas. Are we going through life on mission expecting some resistance? And when things happen that are good, do we step into the spotlight or do we point people to the Lord 
And do we have people in our lives or are we people for other people in our lives that can give some encouragement when times are tough? So think about those things this week and we look forward to talking about them a little bit more on Sunday.